Welcome to Colin Dave vs. Machine. My name is Kyle. Horsecock. Whoa, Dave coming in hot over here. And I'm the machine. This is a podcast where Horsecock. a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Sorry to Bother You, or as it's known in Canada, oh, sorry there, bud. <laughs> sorry. Man, I'm just out here surviving. And what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Oh, baby, baby, it will always matter. You said you fixed that. Get a room. I got a room, mother. Hey, Cash. How much longer I gotta wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you wanna hog it to yourself and your family. And Me and my family? Yeah. Cash, I'm your fucking uncle. I just really need a job. 40 on two. This is telemarketing. Stick to the script. Hey, hello. Um, Mr. Davison, cash is green here. Sorry to bother. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. David per Percival Young. Wow, um, that you know that'd be a cool middle name, something from the round table. Yeah, we missed last week, and the machine is pissed. Okay, <laughs> I was seconds away from blowing up the earth. We failed to upload. By the way, we're called out not by one, but by two people. <laughs> Why isn't there an episode up? Where is it? What, what? happened? Literally. Who? What? Uh, the All usual right. suspects. People Dave. listen to this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the the All usual right. suspects. <laughs> and um. All I can say is that it's Dave's fault. Well, uh, partially. <laughs> also, partially. Kyle and I grew up. Apparently, you need to work to get income, and the government doesn't just give you a COVID stipend. You, you see, <laughs> life, you Fuck. require goods and services, but in able to get those goods and services, you need the moolah. <laughs> you need, you need to put some labor, yeah, some labor into the market. We're smart. So, I like to exploit my labor to the man well, gonna, in order for me to like carve out an inadequate life well kyle it's because your process is not extractive enough mm -hmm. you know we need to ensure some profitability just think of your shareholders that's what you have to do <laughs> right just as long as whatever you do benefits your shareholders to be honest with you that is how i start every day i wake up and I'm like what do the shareholders think about this <laughs> That's the Fuck. true brainworms there, Dave, is that there are people who think that way. They get up in the morning like, yeah. but what about the shareholders? And they uh, shrug their beards. Yeah, that's wealthy people. Yeah. Any, anybody that can either has either paid off their home, okay, mm -hmm. or has multiple homes that they're paying off, that's literally how they wake up in the morning. <laughs> um, anyways, we missed a week. The machine is <sighs> pissed. And the, uh, our deep and rich fiction that I know people come to, they come to us to hear us... Uh, you know, rant about our socialistic yes, yes. Uh, riff, even riff. <laughs> I'm tasting blood. I hope I'm not actually bleeding somewhere. That's weird. Okay, that's yeah. That's weird. You started off this Zoom call asking how to spell guillotine. <laughs> sure. Well, and now you're talking about drinking blood. I'm just I'm just saying, Dave. That I think that mm -hmm. all of this like 
murderer's row of previous characters that we have uh, right, talked right. about on our on our show uh that yeah. they should just eat cake let them eat cake and we, they'll be satisfied just you mary and wait why what cake did i bake a cake i can bake cakes actually. No, i'm just saying that we can't yeah. feed them so just let, let them eat cake instead yeah so you're saying that we should buy an oven yeah. fun fact um yes about that quote that is attributed to mary antoinette uh, it's um, not her a she never said it b cake back in that time is not what we think of as cake today we think of like a big fancy frosting like birthday cake cake was just the leftover stuff from bread <laughs> like it was uh, like the crumbs okay. of bread is uh, what cake was so the person who did say that was just saying let them eat the scraps that's why people uh, got so mad at, at at that comment i didn't even know they were mad mm -hmm. but uh I, th I thought it was about horse cock you might even say that that's they like lost their heads over it dave lost their come on. heads over come on. it is that why you wanted to learn how to spell guillotine? Because were you prepping this Marie Antoinette joke? No, the th you'll you'll understand. It th that is actually relevant to something that I want to uh, very briefly bring up in this episode here today. But uh, people out there are getting even more mad. Um, I, I think that this is going to explode at some point. We we cannot keep uh, suppressing the masses the way that we have in the previous few weeks. But we do have a movie to talk about here this week, which is sorry to bother you. <laughs> Sorry. Which I have to say, uh, we might as well jump into this just uh, digression, so to speak. This is a movie that I am pretty sure has been on Netflix for the past five years Fuck until we had hell. to go and watch it. I know. To the extent that I actually thought it was a Netflix movie. I also thought it was a Netflix movie. It's not movie. in any way a Netflix movie, <laughs> but I thought it was. I swear they like pulled it, you know, July of 2023 and we needed to watch it in August. Maybe. That's what it feels like. I remember seeing the tile there when we were planning this year. Feels targeted to me. It's bullshit. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So, Dave, what is your relationship with, um, well, let's start with the director, with Boots Riley. Do you know who Boots Riley nothing. is? No, nothing. I thought you were a hip-hop guy. Yeah, sure, but no, nothing. I just know him uh, basically from this movie, because I did watch this movie not in 2018, I, this was a COVID movie for me. The first time I watched this was I tried during I tried COVID. To watch COVID. Yeah, and I was like, "This is such a wackadoo movie. I need <laughs> to know who made this. Like, I just need oh, to get yeah. inside the brain of the person who made this." Find out it's got by a guy named Boots. So that if tells you, see you everything. A picture of him, do. you know exactly what you're in for. Oh yeah, yeah. Started following him on Twitter, and if you want to hear. <laughs> aggressive points of view just, follow this on twitter madness. Yeah. as we're recording this he is getting a little bit of press not only because his new tv show is currently airing which i haven't watched yet but i do want to actually watch it but also have you heard this new story dave he no. there's a little bit of um drama going mm -hmm. on with the is it the writers guild i'm pretty sure it's the writers guild um who's obviously on strike but they're also electing new board members. Okay. He wants to be a board member. And there was a leaked no. email from people saying, we are not allowing Boots Riley to be on the board. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. N no full offense? I don't know. You just can't. There's a limit to how much crazy you should have in charge. And know. if Donald Trump teaches us anything, uh, you can't go too far one way. <laughs> it just brings out the worst in people anyways i'm just saying that he's in the news <laughs> their top dog is fran drescher so right i don't uh, know you put some respect on fran drescher's name Dave. <laughs> all right 
I'm sure she's very intelligent, but it is so random to see her back in the news during the strike. She's a COVID denier, but other than that, uh, is wow. fighting the good fight for well, uh, <laughs> writers So she should everywhere. just move to Alberta. She'd fit right in. All I'm saying is that people contain multitudes, Dave. You can, all, you can be a, a COVID denier and also have a sitcom in the 90s that Giant was like at the forefront yeah. of like gay rights and all this other stuff that she was doing. Sure, sure. Sitcom, yeah. But. yeah. Uh, at least the writers were. No, she was too. It was, it was, she was <laughs> the head of that. But he first came to prominence, I will say. We'll get more into this into the backstory about how this movie comes to be. But he comes to prominence with a band. I don't know if you call it a band in hip hop. A troop, a group, I don't know. A troop, yeah. Some troubadours. That's right. Uh, they it's all have the horns. Uh, called the coup, or maybe the coop. I don't actually know how to pronounce it properly. Okay, let me just have a quick aside here yeah. about Americans. About Americans. Yeah. Uh, it's probably coop, because uh, they're fucking, like, we were watching, did I tell this story? We were watching uh, The Voice or something, mm -hmm. maybe, and On Vogue was on it. Oh, wait, and they got into a fight. This. Yeah, because every American says in vogue. And uh, Ken Jong was like, I thought it was on vogue because it's French. And even the band's like, well, we get that a lot, especially when we went to France, but it's in vogue. And just like, what? that's <laughs> a fucking stupid because that's not yeah. what it means. I, I would pronounce the band's that's, name. That's not how it's pronounced. Coup, the yeah. coup. But again, don't know a hundred percent it's the coop for sure yeah anyways let's listen to one of their songs dave oh you cute something <laughs> up <laughs> of course you did of course you did it's been a while actually i you know did this once where you played uh the top 10 songs of 1982 and we did that for this year too but They're popping and locking. All right. Tin Men. Oh, this is very 80s. It is very 80s. Um, but I I knew of this song, weirdly enough, <laughs> and didn't realize it was him. This is, again, doing some research here this week that I realized I actually knew a song of theirs. He sounds so much like Ludacris. It's crazy. Anyways, fun, funky. I haven't listened to an extensive amount of their music, but... Uh, this song yeah, aged. I'm just looking at the comments. Man, I just found out about these guy. Uh, these guy, that's good. And can't get enough of this track. It's got a sick beat and meme licks. I do like the song. I have to say, I've been but I've been listening to it for a few years and didn't realize it was actually oh, here. them. This one's uh, from Kyle. I am what you call a hillbilly and I love this. <laughs> I didn't know that you commented on YouTube. It's great. Just for people who don't know, this is not me who left that comment. This <laughs> another hillbilly. Uh, so that's 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 Boots Riley, the coup. Look him up if you're interested. How about Lakeith Stanfield? What do you know uh, about him? Um, like I know of him. I know this was. Is this his breakout movie? Ish. I I kind of know him, but I'm trying to. I'm struggling to think if I've actually watched many of his films. I don't think any of them. The name, I, name his the only most prominent one, movies. The one that I first remember seeing him in, and people started telling me he's uh, the thing. Got, there was a little bit of bubbling of like interest was um, Knives Out. Oh yeah, because uh, he's the police, the other police officer that's yeah, in yeah. that movie. He plays a big part in the TV show Atlanta, which I have not seen, so I yeah, can't really speak to that. that. 
but apparently he's very good in that. He's and great then actor, yeah. I listen to this film, he's very good. Yeah. I know there's another big one that I'm that I'm or blanking just, on. I'm just IMDB him. But very recently I think has shot shot up into the public consciousness, I would say. Okay. They tried to reboot the Haunted Mansion and release it into August oh, for some reason. Piece of crap. Right? Okay, yeah. It, uh, that bombed pretty badly, unfortunately, for him. I didn't watch it. Do you, oh, he's in Harder They Fall. He's good in that. Oh and yeah. Maybe. That is a good movie. And I didn't actually watch Judas and the Black. I think that's where he I did. He had the yeah, most. I saw Judas. Judas is yeah. he's pretty strong. That was his that was his big one, I think. But I do like him. I, I actually quite uh quite yeah. like his presence and stuff in it. And you like uh weird looking guys, you know? You don't yeah, like do. uh, guys that rip <laughs> out of their shirts. You like uh tortured tortured cute guys he has I guess that thing. so yeah he has I, that I, thing. I, I like i like odd looking people i think is what it comes down to or yeah. there's something a little bit odd about them yeah this is my adam driver thing it's like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why but he's he's a weirdo and i yeah. like it yeah it's not surprising to anyone i'm hoping for you know bigger and better things it's so hard when you're at the um very beginning of someone's career because there's like so many like variables you know mm-hmm. variables that go into like a long career but i'm hoping for him i'm pulling for him oh he's good there's no question about his ability to take up space on a screen uh and this movie he's fucking weird as hell so yeah yeah. And I would say great in it. You revealed, I believe it was uh, two weeks ago, because we missed last week, that you tried to watch this during COVID. This That's movie, right. Yeah. And then you tapped out, what, 30 minutes in? And you know what? You I was, uh, in this rewatch, I realized I probably got... Uh, I probably got to the part where he is a scab. So that's more than half the mm. film. Yeah. Yeah, you got pretty far into it then. And I think that, uh, I think around, because I think I was watching it with Helen, and I think she had already walked out of the room at that point. <laughs> and I think it, I was just questioning whether I was enjoying it or not. Uh, because, you, you know, for these sort of like super abstract indie type of uh, intellectual pieces, you got to be in a right set of mind. You know, if you sit down to be entertained per se, this is a difficult one to work through because it is, I don't know. Uh, it's super random. Like it, it's, uh, yeah, I feel like I pieces. just like weird and random stuff. So whenever anyone says that, it's like so you gave hard. Fast nine, four stars. Okay, Kyle, you have no, well, okay, you fine. have no, we have no weight here. Sorry. I'm just saying that this, and even like, um, under the Silver Lake, or of a piece in my mind, where it's like, yeah, they're weird, but never to the point where like I'm off put by them, or I would consider them like a hard watch. It's just like they're just weird, and I enjoy weird things I happening. I I don't think you can put these two together because this one was actually a good movie. Well, this one has a better uh, thematic point, I think, that or a clearer thematic point. Well, we'll talk about that, that too. But yeah. yeah, it definitely has full intention. Yes. Whether it's clear or not by the end, I don't know. Horsecock, right? It's weird. But uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. We should put a spoiler alert at the beginning because I don't think a lot of people have actually watched this film. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're comparing this against Fantastic Barbie, Beasts I saw this Barbie, morning, $1.3 billion right now. Yeah. That's no joke. I still haven't seen it. Well, you're a, an iconoclast. You love being the person. I didn't watch the popular movie, and that makes me interesting. I, I watch it. We rented <laughs> Fast 9 two years ago, and we were upset that we spent money on it. I watch stuff. You know, I spend I spend money. I watched mm. Blue Beetle, uh, mostly because it was cheap and what? for my son. Yeah. Why? We, that's what we saw in the uh, cheap day. Oh, cheap okay. Cineplex day. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? And, Four uh, bucks? 
What did I think of out it? Of, it was out uh, of five. What do you what did you give it? I think I gave it a two and a half. You know okay. what though? Like it's not good. And no superhero origin story can be good anymore because we have 50 of them. But I will say the, I think this is a fairly common uh, thread in the letterbox reviews, the family and all of the sort of Latin, uh, you know, they have like a good culture of familial structure and sort of matriarchy. So all of the comedic bits that go around the family are actually pretty fucking hilarious and keeps the thing afloat. And it's, the rest of it yeah. is such garbage. Like he's got an Iron Man nano suit and then they make fun of MCU. Like his weapon, he's got a, he ends up with a Thor hammer. He ends up with like mm. so every trademark MCU superhero, they throw his suit, throw it onto his suit. So uh, it just feels cheap. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's so weird that you say that because the couple of other movie podcasts that I listen to that have either done a full review or have mentioned Blue Beetle ah. have all said the exact same thing. It was like, kind of wish it was just a movie about the family. We didn't yeah. care at all about the superhero stuff, but the family stuff is great. Well, it's like Black Widow. You know, if you, you develop that into a bit of a drama and just deal with family issues, be so refreshing. Like you can throw yeah. a suit in there. Who gives a shit? Quick side note too. Uh, Emerson cried. Uh, there's a quite a powerful emotional scene in it, but mm. uh, at the end, they also, spoiler alert, throw in a three-minute vignette about child soldiers. I don't get why. Why Whoa. is that in this fucking movie? It's super okay, weird. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'm excited <laughs> to jump into this because you, of course, did not... Uh, well, did you actually do my recommendation? Did you pause it 15 minutes in and write how you thought the movie was oh, going no, to end? Oh, no, I forgot that you asked me to do that. Yeah. God damn it. There's one thing. I ask you one thing and you don't even do it. I don't even, I don't, I don't know. What? After that 15 minutes, do you think you would have written anything about a gigantic horse palace? No, you would never <laughs> think there'd be so much horse cock in this movie, yeah. but. It's weird when I do the rewatch because there, there is actually like small little illusions along the way that they're leading up to that point. Well, we're going <laughs> to yeah. completely bypass the first time you watched. Like that was a complete surprise when I first watched. Like, whoa, this yeah. is going in a direction I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. it it descends into madness uh, very quickly. I, mm -hmm. I mean, you can make the argument the whole film is a hallucination, but by the end, it's like when they go into nightmare zone, it just they just uh, let it, let the horse cock out. And uh, there's no taking that back. There's no, no, there's no coming back from that. Okay, well, I'm excited to get into a bigger discussion about this. Um, Horsecock specifically, and then the movie more generally. I mean, they were big. Yeah, was, <laughs> we need a big discussion about those Practical horse phalluses, too. There's, there's, there's a little digital touch-ups here and there, but that is wait, an wait, actual wait. suit that they made. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, they were flopping around pretty, pretty yeah. naturally. For... <laughs> Dave knows, Dave knows horsecock, everyone. He, he knows when it's all natural. I remember, just quickly, I think it was like the date that Helen and I officially became a couple, or it might have been the time we went to the zoo after, but uh, I saw a giraffe mount another giraffe, and I gotta Jesus. tell you, it's quite shocking, because uh, they put horsecocks to shame. They have yeah. enormous dicks. Yeah, it's, it was not appropriate. You're just walking by, and you see this one... Uh, giraffe Dude. kind of following another and then you kind of start seeing this thing and then there was a full mount and I was just like we had to walk away because uh, that's did too you, much uh, nature too did, much. You, did you cry like your son did in Blue Beetle <laughs> <laughs> I will say that there was a crowd I think they were enjoying it I've also seen a mm -hmm. lion take a shit which is hilarious sure. because uh, when they finished they crouch away They, I think they felt shame. ashamed yeah <laughs> 
All right, um, all enough, right. Uh, let's get into our uh, deeper conversation about Sorry to Bother You. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Hell yeah. You're going upstairs, Power Caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, Power Caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. Hey, I'm full trying to be murky, yeah. Gonna hit you, probably like Percocet. Got me hit up, banger ain't surface, yeah. Two stepping like the ball this person, check. I got promoted. I'm a power caller. What do they sell? They're not selling the police seller. No, well, there's no amount of money that'll make me do that. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. Whatever I wear, no, I'm here to be clear. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at. Cash. I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you want to say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering. Cash. You are awesome. Okay, Dave, um, we should probably first come up with a bit of a scenario just in case people are like completely confused about what we're discussing here. So let's say um, you're stuck into your nine to five job and your dick boss comes up to your desk and is like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Does like the double guns at you and he throws a DVD copy of Sorry to Bother You on your cubicle and he's like, got this for me and the missus to watch tonight. Nice. What's it nice. about, do you think? Jeez. Don't you know? Um, what is... God, God, how would you sum this up? I guess, you know, as an opening I mean, premise, you could say that a young uh, black... He has to be African-American. I think that's so central. Uh, disillusioned yeah. man must uh, get must decide whether he will commit to sticking to the script. Do we do that? Is that a spoiler? Yeah. I don't know. Um, as... The world falls apart I mean, it's around not, him. I don't think it's all that well, subtle in the fact that this is a, is a takedown of, of capitalism and like how corporate structures yeah. operate, yeah. especially amongst uh, low income earners yeah. and the golden uh, parachute that they dangle in front of you sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And selling what out. Were your... Selling out. What were my yeah, thoughts? I think so. um, yeah, what were your thoughts? What were my thoughts? It is good. It is good. Uh, the performances, are for the most part, I think all of them are pretty fantastic. I mean, I'm not a big Army f- Hammer fan, yeah. Uh, so we could talk about that. I'm pretty sure he's actually doing coke because he looked uh, strung out. I was happy to see Steven Yeun. I don't know yeah. why they made him Chinese, although there's a lot of uh, Korean black hatred in LA, so there might be some pressure there. Uh, but you know, as far as this is so over the top about race, uh, capitalism. Americana and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. By the end, I was questioning what it was actually about. I feel like Boots Collins went so over the top and so Boots Riley, by the way, Boots That's Riley, uh, so extreme yes. that by the end it just becomes uh, muddled for me. Actually, I, I I left this film not sure if it was actually a takedown of capitalism or just a person's fever dream. It was uh, it's just kind of weird at the end. To, to be perfectly frank, like you are not the only person who has um, a response to this that is like really, really enjoyed like the first, we'll say four fifths of this movie. But it is, we keep, we keep referring to it, but it is that horse cock moment that is either you're in with the movie or it's like, nope, and you completely like push away from it. Yeah. And I don't think that's a wrong thing because he does go in a completely batshit <laughs> direction in the end. I personally still think it's thematically 
relevant to what he's saying, but it is so a bizarre turn from what you think this movie is going to be. Because I would say that it very, very subtly is a science fiction story, and you sure. don't realize it's a science fiction story until that very moment. Well, you know, it's and a it's science like, fiction oh, story okay. from the beginning, just from Ish. the staging and the setup uh, and, the, and the sets. I know, it's right? not a complete surprise. I'm just saying yeah. that it's not going hard sci-fi, and okay. it's like, oh my or god, okay, we're, now we're, we're talking about like human-animal hybrids, yeah. and we're, that was not what I thought this movie was going to go into. It's really, this is an alternate version of reality. Sure, I'm on board with that. I mean, that is like, oh, we're now we're going way further than what I thought was going to go on. Well, let me, let me challenge you then. What, what is the thematic string that ties the horse cock to the stick with the, like to the unionizing, stick with the script, mm -hmm. white voice, I think it is young like black people, like what? Full Full realization because we have now met like the person in control of this one business who is kind of slowly taking over America because he's the head of I forget the corporation's name. Anyways, they they mentioned it like literally twelve times throughout the movie. And now as soon as Horse Cock comes out, you just forget everything. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't remember anyone's names. Uh, all I know is I, I think it is so true that if someone in corporate America could convert those types of workers, whether it's call centers or people working on factory lines into things that uh, basically literally beasts of burden, which is how the whole like, um, uh, I've only had three hours of sleep, so I'm forgetting words. Uh, the revolution, the industrial revolution, the industrial revolution, when things got mechanized and things could be output so much more, this is the natural evolution of that. It's like, let's get back to that idea of like making superhumans that we can exploit That's even further and, and continue to make this stuff more and more and more for me and get my wealth. This is where it breaks it. apart because, I mean, you could, for example, make the argument uh, that it is supposed to be a callback to slavery, but yeah, yeah, to your that's, point, that's well, to what you're saying, AI and robotics, even in 2018, are the natural way to go if you're going to talk about displacement of the workforce. Nobody's, there's no way you could bioengineer a living thing that could output the same as a robot. I mean, frankly, the only thing stopping us from full robotics is not the technology, it's unions. Yeah, you know, but it, I, again, I don't think that's the that's the point that they're trying to make. No, I, I know mean, it's maybe not, that but that's what, why it gets... But I, maybe, maybe, that's what, maybe that's what the real world is eventually going to get to, uh -huh. of them just being robots and people out of work. But I think that the, quote-unquote, smart capitalists understand is like we still have to have workers who are happy enough to be working and docile enough to continue you know through capitalism instead of having everyone out of work and not working anymore that's when people rise up and overthrow governments and overthrow structures we need to keep them inside Placated. of the system right placated enough to be inside the system that's why they, they show in the movie like they're giving them places to live for free we're giving them food to eat and now how about if we give them this like magical drug that turns them into horses they're stronger and better and like all this other stuff so that's where i think it's thematically on point of what it's trying to say when you are explaining that which is something that's in the film and you get matrix vibes and being john yeah. malkovich and like all this stuff which is fine but at the end of the day i just i feel like like if we want to talk about the ending and he's offered this deal to truly sell out and then we get that last kind of piece where it, maybe he took the deal because he's turning into a horse person i don't know like it's just well do it gets, stop, pause for one second yeah. did you watch the mid-credit sequence then? yeah okay which also Again, so you get an inversion and an inversion, yeah, and it just makes yeah, yeah. the whole story lose any power, right? It's 
it, we can do the revolution, the initial one. We can see him kind of rise, uh, rousing the masses. And then we could, if you want, to do the horse person thing and leave the rhetorical question like maybe this is all part of Army Hammer's you know, master yeah. plan because corporate America won. But then we flip the script one more time. And then at that point, you're like, why did they even do the I, exercise? I, I, I will agree in one aspect do they do think that there is it's like the uh i don't know like twilight zone or outer limits thing where there's almost a couple more twists than need to actually be yes. there i do agree like my small quibble i only have two basically small quibbles with this movie which prevents it from being a perfect score for me because for the most part i'm like i'm totally in this movie one is what you just said i actually feel he shouldn't turn into a horse at the end <laughs> I don't mind the mid credit sequence and maybe it's him as a regular human and the horse people there to enact vengeance. And I'd be totally on board with that. But then, but by turning the horse, it feels like the only reason I am now committed to this cause is because I'm turning into a horse and not what I have seen and experienced from other people. So I don't know. It kind of undercuts the point a little bit. I wish I could uppercut you. The other one is so... Uh, petty. I'm going to admit this right now. It's such a petty quibble. But it's this pet peeve I have on so many films. It, it, it just bugs me. It's one of my little things. Whenever they show either a television show or a YouTube clip, mm -hmm. I'm like, nope, that is not a, that is yeah. not something from TV. That is not something from YouTube. Paul Vanderhoven style. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. It, in, in in two um, opposite different ways. Which is for the TV, it looks too low budget, mm -hmm. and for the YouTube stuff it's too high budget it's like yeah. no these are these are wrong it feels wrong and very very few movies i've seen actually gets it right in my opinion you know it's a reflection of the creators it's like music selection you know you can always mm -hmm. date the director by what kind of songs they're including mm -hmm. in the film and this you can tell boots boots what's his name boots riley boots riley uh it's probably my age because uh, or older because yeah tv did used to look like that but Again, we saw that in Running Man. That's what it looked like in Running Man in 1980, <laughs> yeah, my, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, TV now has more money than film. That's, a that's what I mean. Like, it's, it point. looks like yeah. the price is right, but from the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but this is taking place in the 20, at least the early 2000s. And so that's not what TV looked like back then. But, you um, know, I'm okay it with It looks the, like bad green screening effects and yes. like all that kind of stuff. And then for the YouTube stuff, there is absolutely like high production value YouTube videos. But even the highest budgeted YouTube videos for me, still has it that DIY like yeah, yeah. you know I'm with doing the lighting myself yeah. sort with of thing. LED it's like, or like a gel. Uh, it just looks like it was yeah. shot in a studio, and I, it just doesn't yeah. come across right. Well, you know, like for example, like in murders, only murders in the building. Whenever they have Tina Fey on, I, I do, have you watched it? Yeah, uh, I, th I don't think I've seen the very last episode that okay. was just posted, but the first four episodes I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it start this season it started off a little weak, but fantastic. It's gotten so good. But, by the way, just total digression. The 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 song that Meryl Streep and Ashley is Ashley Park, her and the other actors who sing, um, made me tear up. And yeah. I've now been listening to that song on repeat this past week. I thought it was Meryl so Streep's great. So good in it. The uh, White Room episode is fucking incredible. Anyways, um, yeah. The whole uh, the whole thing, like every time Tina Fey shows up on that show, and you're like, yeah. I don't know. I know podcast people can be loaded, but this is ridiculous, right? I just mm -hmm. it takes you away from it. Anyways. Uh, my 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 only smoke is that it's not enough for me to not like the show because you just have to kind of accept it is that the the whole setup is that they have this like very well produced podcast series that they're uploading and they're only ever recording from like their phone their iphones <laughs> like, i know no no this is not what it would sound <laughs> we know better <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Uh, and it's like two geriatric people and Selena right. Gomez, who's like basically a, a nomad. So uh, <laughs> they don't even have a computer. Anyways, uh, I'm okay with the anachronism in this film because the whole film is so fucking weird. I mean, I, yeah. aren't they all no watching smartphones or anything? TVs? Yeah. So that's a thing. But anyways, uh, I don't know, pal. I I really, I, I was on for the ride. I got strapped in. I, I got strapped on, right? Right. And uh, for those who maybe have gotten this far and haven't seen it, uh, you know, the spoiler is that, again, it's genetically engineered horse people at the end, mm -hmm. um, secretly, that are going to take over this enslaved workforce. That Even the enslavement part is so weird. It's like willing enslavement. So it stops being about uh, the African diaspora. It's, it's yeah, not about it captivity more of a cultural anymore. comment. Yeah, it becomes about... Uh, losing to free market capitalism uh, in exchange for i don't even know it's so weird because it's depicted as a prison and people still want to do it so it's it's a very strange message well, I, that comes i mean i across. think again i think that this is why well, i enjoy it is like you can be as critical as you want of capitalism but in order to survive in this society you still need to participate in it you still need an income of some kind even though you hate the fact that like I'm doing a job I hate potentially I'm, I don't want to like say that's true for everyone but for a lot of people it's like oh, it's true for everyone I'm doing a job they don't pretend you like it takes so many hours away from doing the stuff that I actually want to do to go and purchase things that can keep rising in costs I I have a bit of respite with my either like my Netflix or my smartphone or my music that I listen to and I realize it's bad for me. I realize I understand everything that's bad, but I still go to it willingly because like, what else am I supposed to do? Stare at a blank wall every day? I'm not going to lead the revolution either. So I think that feels true to me. Well, you know, There's a few like that will try and break out, but for the majority of people, they're perfectly fine just being angry, going to a job that they don't like for 40 years and then hopefully But that's, but that's the thing, you know, like... Uh... I just, that's why I feel like the message is too extreme and loses its validity. And I feel like, like for example, not, not to compare too much to uh, you know 1990 film like The Matrix, but the thing that made The Matrix nuance so interesting was that it was about accepting things as they are today, and that's the toxicity, right? It's not like mm -hmm. you're physically enslaved, your mind was enslaving you in that you know, and it's not so much, I don't even know if the Wachowskis meant this intentionally, but I think that's the magic of that film because then you have to look around when you leave the theater and be like, oh shit, you know, am I living not just authentic philosophically, but is this even real? Like I, I am going to go to work tomorrow at some office. How do I know it's not a program? Whereas this one, that's not where the characters are living. That's what's no. being projected as an option for those who can't survive. And so all of a sudden it it's not about an overarching enemy controlling minds, it's about this voluntary assimilation into some, you know, con convict, what do you call it? Uh, not a convent, but uh, like a prison, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's such a just 90s uh, worldview, and yeah. I love The Matrix, one of my favorite movies of all time. For some reason, I hadn't thought of comparing those, like that movie to this one, but it is totally <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. O open Influenced for comparison. By it, for sure. Yeah. I think that in the 90s, there was still this idea that uh, companies and corporations were essentially benign like yes maybe they had some bad practices here and there but they were not like actively trying to make the world worse and, and i think by 2018 we we know that that's not true there is companies oh, out there that are actively trying to make the world worse <laughs> i'm not honestly when i yeah. do a brief scan even of the films that we've been watching i am not convinced they were out uh, to harm anything into the 80s mm -hmm. uh, because there were still 
let's say, moral and cultural checks and balances leading through the 80s. And um, even though the wealthy were building up their sort of uh, fuck you wealth at the time, it's really, I think it's the dot-com people. I, I really yeah. do feel like you know, we let these sociopaths who are living on computers uh, dictate what is right and wrong. And now mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're in the midst of this, we, I, I, maybe that's why this film's message that uh, gets so muddled, you know, Boots Riley, obviously just looking at that quick video, knowing nothing about him, but even the premise of this is someone that wants and feels very strongly, not just about emancipation of black Americans, but just, you know, this enslavement mentality in general of capitalist culture, but he doesn't know who his enemy is, you know, like this is not a film that has a specific targeted villain. You know, Army Hammer does not yeah. represent corporate America well enough. He's just a single psychopath and so it yeah. just gets yeah, a I mean, little he does play the tech bro sort of but yeah yeah but you know like i when i think of, i mean elon musk maybe but i don't see zuckerberg or i can never remember the google's uh thing because I, I can't pronounce his uh, name but um yeah. i don't see them sitting coked up in mansions with or like that's an elon musk thing for sure but i don't see tim cook and mark zuckerberg or whatever at these coke parties in these orgies i just see them like in these white rooms you know, just like fucking automatons. Like they are not human beings to me. They, they no, seem you get like, so much money that you can become completely yeah disaffected. I can, by, I can by see them in else. like a, I mean, a Zen garden, sand garden. You know, so pretentiously in some fucking like two million dollar silk hand written, a uh, hand woven robe. Uh, like telling people to not bother them. I, I don't see them the way they're characterized in this. So. No, but I think that there there are enough tech bros and startups and like multi-millionaires into billionaires that are that are kind of proving like this philosophy right where it's like i i, I love humanity and that is why we're going to make you into horse people like i could see someone trying to spin that into this positive well like yeah. i feel rational people like that's crazy what you're talking about like that's absolutely crazy I, in yeah. a similar way to be like yeah everyone is going to be like in the metaverse some some year and it's like no, why see, you, like that's so you know what dumb. the difference is is that you know the difference is, is the separation between physical and intellectual property or uh, maybe uh, machination. So what's happening right now, what's intentional is they're looking to make us out of body, make us inept. You know, we're losing our sense of physical reality. Mm -hmm. Nobody even, other than, other than YouTube tech bros, nobody's working out anymore because there's no time. And so the schism now is how do we take a person's brain and their presumed experiential existence uh, into the virtual world? But nobody's talking about uh, enabling the physical workforce to be stronger. Nobody gives a shit. They would rather people learn to use their one finger to press a button to operate True. a machine. And so I think that's what's old fashioned about this. You know, if you put this movie in the 70s and there was still uh, child labor and enslavement and a huge problem with, you know, uh, visible minorities, African-Americans, Latin-Americans, Asian-Americans doing physical labor jobs. But that's flipped on its head. And um, the suppression of these cultures has nothing to do with whether you have a big dick or you have large muscles or you can do 10 times the amount of labor as a white person. That's just not the correct rhetoric anymore. So it just becomes uh, cartoonish. Since the horse people come out, I'm like, I, I can still be down with how weird this is getting because it was weird from the beginning, but it lo no longer has a relevant political commentary for me. Maybe. I don't know. I think I it still works for me. I just, I just looked it up just to see. So, Boose Riley was born in 1971. So, yeah. he's nearly 50. I told you. When, I yeah. could tell he's my age. There's just something about the way he carries himself and his messaging. That's mm -hmm. how I grew up.
but that world is gone. <laughs> one one little other like little digression for tech bros. This is not a, an original thought that I'm bringing up here. I see it more and more. But my favorite thing is the solution to a problem that isn't a problem mm. <laughs> like that we've already solved it but they're coming out of like but i've solved, solved this new it thing. better yeah, yeah which is like wouldn't it be so great if there was like a service that took like multiple people and transported them <laughs> into different places in the city yeah. wouldn't it be a wonderful place to live and it's like yeah, yeah it's public fucking transit it's which we've defunded for the last 30 years <laughs> like jesus christ people like it frustrates me to no end Elon, but what, what i'm saying is that it's a bigger <laughs> contraption like a big car that everyone yeah. would go inside of like yeah like we we know well when uh, that whole uh, magnetic super train thing and they're like, well, what we did was we dug a tunnel and people get into cars and the cars take you to the next place. It's like, yeah, it's called the subway. You fucking asshole. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. Silicon Valley is filled with nothing but geniuses. That's the world we find ourselves in, Kyle. Mm. This is more matrixy, right? Uh, we don't see ourselves uh, as horse people. We see ourselves in this world run uh, by these automations that we don't need. Mm -hmm. It's more like uh, Wally than anything. I mean, yeah, I feel well, like I'm I think with, really with Wally to an extent, and I'm, I think if it is the Stephen Young character who says this or not, but someone in there says, like, nobody gives a fuck. If you can't change the problem, you just accept it. And I do actually think that that is true overall. It's like at a certain point, it's like I, as yeah. this individual, cannot change this. So I'm, that's just how it works. It's that's just how it works. It's called growing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called maturing. Yeah, it's awful, though. but it's true. Yeah, mm -hmm. like being angry is such a young person's thing because you have more free time and you know your dick still works, right? Metaphysically, <laughs> metaphorically. Jesus. But uh -huh. no, you get older, and you and I are experiencing this with this podcast. It is getting harder and harder to have the energy, like even to stay up to one or two to watch a movie. That's just not. It's a non-negotiable anymore. What do you choose to do? I would love. To choose and sit watch you know sit and watch movies all day and uh, do a podcast about them but kyle as we keep mm -hmm. saying we don't make any fucking money doing this sure. so who's feeding right. us right who's housing right. us uh so if you're a youtuber secretly living in your parents house while repping that you're making a million bucks per fucking stream uh you're an asshole because uh, that is not reality that's just not mm -hmm. how the average human being can function so talking about the race which i agree with you is like so integral to this movie it's like the, i think one of the main points is trying to be broadcast there's that one it's at the party where they're even talking about like the notion of what white is and what black is um and one of them says it's like uh, at the sex party yeah no. they, oh okay when, okay right they're all taking coke and they're all having conversations uh, okay, okay. he's like shouldn't you rap for me you know oh, yeah, that, yeah. that whole portion yeah yeah one of the people says you know italians have only been white for the last 60 years and yeah. spaghetti is chinese like they kind of go and how you know cultures influence one another but this is one of my more something that i don't know i just find eminently fascinating especially in the history of america and i'm sure it's true to an extent here in canada as well but what the idea of white is was so drastically different 200 years ago because they're right italians were not considered white people at the formation of america sure. or irish that's why people they were like so like yes. 
um, yes. uh, racialized and like put down upon that sort of thing. Even Irish were not considered That's white right. for a while, which is like bizarre when you think of like white people. Irish is like the first thing you think of, but no, it's not. You think of British people, but you don't think of the Irish. Yeah. I mean, we still tease them on their accent. And uh, in England, people hate gingers, so Scottish right. people and Irish people, uh, which doesn't make any fucking sense. White is always a colonial term, right? right. And the only people that were winning the colonial wars were that Central European uh, dynasties, right? For sure. And Portuguese the whole fell idea. off, you know, yes. but they were white for a while when they were beating the fuck out of Europeans, so. I recently read this book called The Black Count, okay. and it's about the actual real story of the Count of Monte Cristo. So like- He's black? Yes. Oh, the person who that. wrote the Count of Monte Cristo is a quarter black because his dad was half black because his grandfather had sex with a slave. I'm totally blanking on who wrote the Count of Monte Cristo. Dumas? Dumas, yes, Alexander yeah. Dumas. So. Apparently, um, I read, unlike what you said mm -hmm. last week. Right, right. Asshole. Uh, two weeks ago. And um, <laughs> it, what they brought up there, and then they did a little bit more research. This is something that I've been hearing for a while. That I just wanted to get around my head. But talking about like the 1700s, A, France was like so ahead of the curve mm -hmm. until Napoleon came into power and they took all these things away. But about what they would allow. We'll see soon on Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait for that movie. I'm going to be so down for that. <laughs> all four and a half hours, Ridley, baby. I want it. No, I we're not getting the Ridley cut. We're going to get the Apple cut. Three hours. Okay, keep going. Keep going. I'm just... Uh, I'm just saying, like, so ahead of the game in France at that time, like, um, black people could own yeah. property. They could vote. They could do all this stuff that was not available in like, any other place. There, that's one thing. But what they brought up, what this writer brought up, is how the concept of how we view race nowadays was not how race was considered back then, especially when it came to slaves, because slaves were just slaves. There was white slaves, there was brown slaves, there was black slaves. Sure. You definitely talked about regions, so it's like those yeah. are like Turkish slaves, or those are Macedonian slaves, or yeah. those are Czechoslovakian slaves, probably Czechoslovakia wasn't around, but whatever. Like You just consider that. And then in the 1700s, because it was convenient, you could start to say, well, we don't actually like those people because of their skin color, not because of their class of where they like fit into it so this whole idea of like race and how that influenced the creation of america is so new in the history of the world like well, that's just not yeah. how we were classified for many 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 years yeah that's fair i mean mm -hmm. uh is that chattel whatever it is uh yeah. you know human slavery was more about cult and clan initially for sure but it's, it's become eugenic just because mm -hmm. it was convenient for colonizers, right. especially in America, more in America than anywhere else, because uh, the African slaves were not from one country and they're not That's from right. one group of people. They were just pulled from, frankly, I think, if I remember correctly, the slave trade actually was from African kingdoms, from people they had captured from other wars and yes. giving their slaves to these white uh, interlopers. So there's sort of this like ironic problematic prehistory of slavery as well but the fact that it's kind of encompassed more in america than anywhere else that black people is this monolith is pretty sick but that's the world we live in and uh, i think it's one of the reasons why it's hard to even galvanize black people let's say in america or in canada to have a single point and one point of reference, because at some point it becomes very divisive. If you're from Central America, if you're from the islands, you're allegedly different than someone who is 500 
years a slave in the southern belt of uh, America. You know, Asian people are like this too. You know, when Korean people first came to America, we were a third world country. We didn't have any real rights. It was actually black Americans that helped Korean people out, but they fucking hate each other now because they felt part of the culture war. You know, they they were two low-income, lower-class peoples that were pitted against each other in the 70s. So, No, it's embarrassing about how I learned that history about Koreans and black people specifically. Oh, what? There is a sub, like a B plot line on an episode of Lost that oh, dealt with that divide. Right, that it was like Daniel D. Kim and yeah, the black yeah. guy, and they were like fighting. And it's like we don't like each other back where I'm from. I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, I didn't know that. I, and it sucks because if anybody, uh, the Chinese, the Koreans should get along. They don't. Uh, Chinese, Korean, black people should get along. They don't. And Latino people should get along with everybody and they don't because they're all oppressed people in that fucking Mm -hmm. shit country that we all emulate, but they can't get along because they've been divided. And that's intentional by the political powers that be. Look, the affirmative action failure was from Korean people, right? That Mm. that suit was, I mean, they don't say Koreans, but I can guarantee you it was a bunch of Korean women who were upset their kids weren't getting to Ivy League college. They didn't realize all their white friends were actually back-channeling money to their buddies at Harvard. And uh, they blame black people, which is fucking sick because uh, we're all suffering from, you know, these presumptive ideas of what we're supposed to be like. But, uh, you know, all of it's too complex. This is why when you're older, Kyle, you just say, Mm -hmm. yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to go back to work. (laughs) I agree. Everyone should just give up. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the whole like white voice that they talk about in yeah. this. I have white voice. Oh, what's your white voice? This is my white voice. Oh. I used to get, uh, people used to be surprised when they met me that I was mm. not white, right? Because oh. I was raised in Toronto and uh, I don't speak Korean. So uh, if you don't know my name and you hear me on the phone, uh, you're going to assume that I'm Caucasian. Yeah. I, I actually have a, I'm going to say friend. <laughs> I think we would, we would call each other friends. Uh, he's actually a fairly big YouTuber now. Um, so, but I do have his phone number in my phone, so I think it counts. <laughs> so, but he talks about this. He is a black man who was raised by a black woman, only knew black people growing up, but his interests are all like super white. Uh, and he says like his voice sounds white if you talk to him on the phone. Yeah. So he was constantly... People mistaken. were surprised or like mistaken and growing up and then got into this thing. You're not black enough to be in this group and yep. you're not white enough to be in this group. So it was always this weird like. You don't, in- you don't know, Kyle, but that's, that's my life too, right? You know, mm. if I, if I had a more active interest in being Korean when I was young, when I went to Korea, I might've had a better chance of fitting in, but I didn't, right? Because I speak mm-hmm. like this and I look different. And then you come back to Canada and people are like, oh shit, you know, you're Asian. Right. So you can't win either way yeah this is the complexity of uh like your original point of what is whiteness it is uh, it is a strange thing it's a colonial term and it's yeah. one that we use as a uh, we I, I mean i i'm privileged enough as it is but oppressed people will use because we need a bad guy otherwise you can't you can't get together or anything if you said oh i really hate uh, <laughs> uh anglo-saxon waspy whatever right like uh that's People the one group the i caucuses hate is yeah like, who i don't like half half your peers are gonna be like well i don't actually hate them yet i hate these other guys that are you know let's mm-hmm. say uh uh, the wealthy people in New York who are not necessarily mm. part of the uh, the burbs, uh, but they right. run this type of company. It's easy to just say, I hate white people, Kyle, because I hate white people. <laughs> uh, I was Okay. Well, <laughs> yikes. Um, now, this is where you turn your Zoom feed on. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, oh, Kyle's God not Korean? 
Yeah. They both start uh, with a K. I was going to say, so there's the two main people. So Lakeith uh, Stanfield and then um, forgotten the actor's name, who's uh, Mr. Blank up on the next floor. Oh, yeah, both yeah. Both have their white voices. And in my opinion, Boots Riley casted perfectly because you get... Patton Oswalt for Lakeith Stanfield and David Cross for the Mr. Blank. They're like the two whitest comedians you could possibly <laughs> pick. Like it's perfect who they yeah. decided to have be their white voices. Well, both of them. I mean, uh, I like both of them because they they're funny and intelligent, but they also are so good at making fun of white. Like those are cartoon white voices, yes. and they're so good at that. And then the uh, jo- um, Danny Glover, yeah, who shows up. Like to bring and to he see had him. to throw the line right. He's getting too old yeah. for this shit. You, you for this shit. Catchphrase. Yeah, catchphrase. You had maybe something similar, I feel, I feel in a text message you sent to me, but there was a conspiracy theory for a while that it's Steve Buscemi, who yeah. is his white voice, but apparently it's just the sound designer for the film. I don't know. It's some rando guy. Sounds Anyways. just like Steve Buscemi. It Steve does. Buscemi strikes me as somebody who might do it would and not want to be credited. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He would do this, though. A role oh, like yeah. That. Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. I mean, going Anyone back to- was in fl- that many, like, Coen Brothers movies and Adam <laughs> Sandler comedies, like, yeah, of course. I'm going <laughs> to- I'll step in and do this. Like, oh, so, I'm interested in your opinion, too. I, I, and this is the problem with the messaging in this film. Like, I, I love Tessa Thompson. I think she's great in this. But mm. the two things about her character, which I don't understand, is uh, I think it's- too obvious but it doesn't lead enough into the theme with her earrings like i get now there was one Mm. that was a penis but all of the other messaging really just fell beyond my comprehension and then the second part is when she finally does her white voice which ironically is her actual accent was that supposed to be a sellout moment or is that supposed to be defensible because she's an anarchist artist like it's not developed enough and it disappears as soon as it happens so this is the thing about this film i I I feel a little adrift sometimes that would require maybe like a, a deeper reading of the a film, prequel? like a closer yeah. reading of the film. I think the subtext that I'm picking up on that is that, yes, she does have a sellout moment and then is like, I can't do this. I sold out, but it's not, I can't continue down this path where it takes a lot longer for the Keith Stanfield character to get to that same point. She's out way, way quicker. But I she's think not out. one of the it's, subtexts it's, is, is yeah. really, it's like I art in and of itself doesn't actually change anything like it can help a bit but it's not actually going to change anything versus actually going and uh, striking or picketing or you know fighting back i feel like that's part of the subtext there's a defeatist attitude too because nothing changes and uh yeah yeah i don't know and this is the thing i'm i'm in it because it's weird it's shot reasonably well it's got that a uh, quirky fever dream quality. I, I love all the phone calls where you see him like fl- yeah. like plop down in the actual <laughs> location that yeah, the yeah. phone call is happening in. Yeah, what a great device. The performances are fantastic for the most mm-hmm. part. Uh, and as we descend into madness, I'm still clutching on to this thing and I want it to be something really impactful. There's another shot that I just want to call out that I love is him getting more and more stuff in his like rich person's yeah, yeah, apartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a really great like fast forward scene the as time more and more things show up. Yeah. Oh, and, and then the evolving pieces like the CRT TV turns into yeah. a flat screen and all that kind of stuff. But that's why I, maybe my expectations were starting to build up too much as the film was progressing and I was leaning in and projecting my own misgivings about our capitalist culture and wanting this to, you know, even with the horse people show up and I'm like, yeah, great. Like, let's finish this a fucking psychopathic, insane uh, visual spectacle with one last punch, right? In uh, uh, in right. Jeff Bezos's face. And instead it's like, 
I don't know. I just, I didn't know I what happened at the end. It would have been better if Army Hammer was bald. I think it would have been funnier, but that's maybe, all maybe that's what they should have done. They never completely fell off the rails for me, except for like the very, very last yeah, quote last twist, where it's like, oh, I don't know if we need to go that far. I think it was fine just to close the garage door and like that's the movie sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I will say, when he sees the horsecock people, it does include one of my favorite jokes in this movie, because I do think this movie is quite funny in it parts. Is. Yeah. Because he's told, go to the emerald door or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's like, you say go through the emerald door. Clearly like, That's not. clearly olive. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Or jade or whatever he says. Or yeah. jade or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I just going back, I was thinking uh, about the capitulation to the system and the slavery. You know, Terry Crews has this great moment where he has to decide to sell his house and his car. And yeah. he's like, really considering joining the slavery. They should have brought some resolution to that maybe we see him in one of the videos just like they, you needed mm-hmm. like I, don't know, I just felt like a lot of the threads were left you know not not brought back into the big quilt of yeah the, uh, I, I mean of the story, i don't know but. i'm of the opinion that you don't necess- necessarily need to, to tie up every loose end but yeah if there's too many loose ends at the end of the day and it's like okay it's like this everything feels unresolved and maybe it's in the cutting room floor and it just didn't work Could i be. don't know you know I'm wondering if there, how much there is that was cut out of this movie. Let's jump into the backstory because there might be some stuff that gets answered here for you. <laughs> this movie opened up on January 20th of 2018 at the Sundance Film Festival, although it would not get a wide release in America until July 6th, 2018. It is currently rated 3.7 on Letterboxd, has a 6.9 on IMDb, has an 80 on Metacritic, and over on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 93% from 312 critics and a 70% from 5,000 plus users. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray, and you can rent this on either YouTube or iTunes. The budget for this movie was $3.2 million, so pretty low budgeted movie. Its box office would be, this is actually what took me uh, back a little bit, was $18.2 million. So for an indie film that costs $3 million to make, that is like amazing (laughs) return on that investment. Well, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be able to percentage. If we think about how many people actually would have sat down for $18 million. Well, it's not negative, so that's great. People no, I mean, like, like it, it more than tripled its budget. This was a yeah. this was a success. This is allows Boots Riley to go and make his TV show. I hope he makes another movie sometime. So for some reason, I had in my head that this was a box office failure. It's like this is there is no reality would this be considered a box office failure? Its plot description is in an alternate present day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a universe of greed. Hmm. Okay. It's now time to play everyone's favorite game. Guess, Guess that, that tag. tag. This is, of course, I have to say, very sadly, in memoriam of the great Bob Barker who passed away this very week. Um, because I'm grabbing the big, uh, I'm putting on a blazer, I'm big grabbing that cock. big long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. And we play the game, Guess That Tag. Did you not hear that he passed away? I saw uh, I saw the headline of an article doing a memoriam for him and somebody else. So I just assume I I also thought he was dead already. I mean, he's got to be a hundred. He was ninety nine, Dave. Yeah. As one person uh, quipped on X slash Twitter, and I laughed at this way harder. It's like, what a legend going out under a dollar without going over. Oh, nice. I do research for my new job, and if anyone has a Twitter account, I am no longer even allowed to see a preview of said account. That's without- right. Logging in to X. So fuck you, capitalist. 
So Dave, I'm going to give you three options. One of these is the actual tagline for this movie. The other two completely made up by me. So was the tagline for this movie, capitalism sucks? Was it ride the golden elevator? Or was it destiny is calling? <laughs> One of these is actually the tagline. Yeah. Uh, the third one. Destiny is calling. Sure. You'd be correct. That yeah. is the correct tagline Good. to this movie. Which thing, I don't the golden really elevator is, is a spoiler. Yeah. And what was the first one? Oh, capitalism. That's sucks. also a spoiler. Yeah. And you can't sell that tagline to uh, funders. Dave, this stars Lakeith Stanfield as Cassius Green, Tessa Thompson as Detroit, uh, Omari Hardwick as Mr. Blank, Stephen Yun as Squeeze, uh, one of the best character names of all time, Jermaine Fowler as Salvador, and Army Hammer as Steve Lift. Uh, the cinematography is by a guy by the name, or actually I should say anything you want to say about any of those actors. No, I, I thought they were all great. I like the casting. I wish they just let Stephen Young be Korean. This is when I was really starting to under see Stephen Young and a bunch of more stuff too. Yeah, he was, was just movie. blown up at this point. And I think they're all kind of like uh, indie intellectual film type of people. So they have yeah. really had a good vibe as a cast. This, I feel like in another like in another 10 years, 15 years maybe, this has the potential of looking back like they got all those actors yeah. in one yeah, movie yeah, at the beginning of, of their career. I mean, even now, if you think about, uh, you know, Tess Thompson's like a Marvel person, yeah. Stevie Young's like, I don't think he won us, but he's been involved in these like, highbrow yeah. stuff. Keith Stanfield will be if he hasn't already. It's just interesting. Harvey yeah. Hambry, you know, canceled for wanting to eat people. So Yeah, I mean, but who, who hasn't? <laughs> Um, this, the cinematography is by, I didn't actually eat anyone yet. No, I just, I just said I wanted to. Cinematography is by a guy named Doug Emmett, whose top four are this movie, Truth or Dare from 2018, The One I Love from 2014, and I Care A Lot from 2020. Oh, that's the, uh, Rose, Rosalind Pike one? Yes. Which I have not seen. It's um, okay. That's the only one I've heard of. You know, it's interesting. I don't know visually, but it has... It has a similar vibe to this movie, hmm. like a cynical satire. Uh, written and directed by Boots Riley. So Boots Riley worked for a time as a telemarketer in California. He noticed that by changing his voice to sound more white, that it led to him being more successful with sales. So this inspires him to write a screenplay, which he does do, but it is the year 2012. He has no money. And there's no way for him to make a film at this point. So he puts all his energy into recording an album with his band, The Coup. The album was also called Sorry to Bother You. So that clip that we already heard was from the album, Sorry to Bother You. Okay. Uh, and it would be the sixth and final album of The Coup. But yeah, he basically took all these ideas, made songs out of them. And release an album first. Like, that's the first thing that he does. Are those songs in this film? No. Which I think is fascinating because I've listened to the album now. I was like, these are all thematically relevant to what you're talking yeah. about. Maybe <laughs> it's a interesting licensing. He doesn't put yeah. them in there. Maybe he didn't want to like be too on the nose. I don't know. No, I mean, this film is on the nose. I, I bet because of all the extractive recording contracts, especially black Americans have to work through. I bet he doesn't own the rights to those songs. But oh. Who knows? That could actually be true. Yeah. <laughs> the screenplay would eventually be published in... McSweeney's. So let's talk about like the white culture here because McSweeney's is the most highbrow, can I say garbage? Uh, stuff okay. in the world. Have you seen or heard McSweeney's? No, I don't know. Anything this is a, this was a big thing 
when I worked at the bookstore for many, many years. It is, um, how do I describe it? I always forget if it was like a quarterly magazine or if it was only twice a year. Anyways, it was usually very literary. So it would usually be a bunch of like short stories or poems. Sometimes it was very interactive. Like the magazine is like, you have to unfold it and do origami and then you'll be able to mm. read what, what we want you to read about. Like it's very high brow stuff. Yeah. The most pretentious white people are the people who went and bought McSweeney's <laughs> in the bookstore. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm engaging with the culture. I'm like, well, you're engaging with a certain part of culture. Sure. But <laughs> with a culture. Yeah. yeah. Not a relevant one. Anyway. So it's like, blew my mind I was like you published this in McSweeney's anyway like the whole script okay. the whole script okay. went into McSweeney's in 2014 this garnered some recognition so that by 2017 it was announced that the movie was going to be made a bunch of indie studios put some money together in order to fund it and initially it was supposed to be dun, da, 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 Donald Glover in the lead mm. role here. So Mr. Child, not Childish. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino yeah, was supposed to be this in off. this. But a movie that we've already talked about this year, Dave, a little movie called Solo, A Star Wars Story. I don't know if you remember this. Went really over time with filming. It was like a full like 10 months that they were stuck on set. Mm. So he's like, I can't do this now. I'm stuck over here making this movie because we're now in like the fifth month of overruns that we're trying to like finish this thing with. So it's him that says you should cast the key Stanfield who works on Atlanta with me. He's great. He'll be able. He's a good pick. You pull this off. Yeah. So that's what they do. The shoot lasts five weeks. In the summer of 2017, it is filming at exactly the same time as Blind Spotting. So they're both filming in Oakland, literally at the exact same time. Interesting. Uh, so it's interesting that these two, yeah, like indie darlings are in Oakland, same summer, released in the same year, and both have a lot to do with Oakland. It premieres at Sundance, after which producer Megan Ellison gave some more money to the production so that they could do some reshoots and they added some extra scenes. Now, this is the part where, like, I don't actually know what those extra scenes are or what the reshoots were. So I don't know the specifics. But just know that if you saw this movie at Sundance in January, so it was a different un movie that was released cut. in July. Um, my guess, probably some more horse cock. That was what was added in to <laughs> so this the movie. The cocks don't look real. We need to do this again. People are going to know and they're going to judge us harshly if it's not. It would go on to win the Best First Feature Award at the Independent Spirit Awards. Mm. I do recall, I could be making this up, but I do believe that at the time, there was a little bit of conversation around um, whether or not it would get a Best Original Screenplay. Actually, no, it would be Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. Mm. Why adapted, not original? Because it was technically based on... Actually, you're. I don't know. You're right. I'm just thinking because it was technically based on an album, they would probably think it was adapted. There's weird rules in the Academy on how the, how it works. Oh, like what's published first or something? Yeah, yeah who cares? so it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. One of the screenplay awards, there was a bit of conversation that it would be, but it's like, we it's saw what was nominated in 2018. There's no way this movie is being nominated <laughs> for a writing award. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. In no reality is this going to be in the same league as Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> one's about uh losing the capitals the other one solved races i mean it's it's yeah, pretty easy it's right there i'm just going to say my one other joke that i love in this movie because again it is another criticism that he faces a lot you have to sound white like will smith white mm -hmm. <laughs> right again, no, he said dig it. he said uh that will smith white wasn't good enough you oh, need right. to go Sorry, whiter yeah, yeah. than Will Smith. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I mean, I do like Lakeith Stanfield's body language as an actor in this, uh, although it's 
pantomimed, of course. Donald Glover would have been great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't I wouldn't say better or worse, but he has this cartoonish quality to him that I think would have played really well with this uh, content, with this material. I liked everything about it. I I thought the it just in reflection the uh the woman that's brought in as consultant in the thing was a weird character. That must mm, be drawn yeah. on someone he knew, like Boots Riley. I'm going to guess so. Yeah, yeah. cuz she doesn't actually do anything or go anywhere other than uh, that one scene that she's maybe sexually aroused with him after he goes in the elevator. She disappears from the plot after that. So it's, it's odd. I, I do like the uh, on-floor manager, <laughs> that dirty skeevy dude. Like, uh, yeah. He's great in it. Was uh, the manager is not Stephen Root, right? He just looks a lot like Stephen Root. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It was good. It was fun. I uh, I don't know if I would willingly watch it again. Uh, I would. I would go so far as to say this is in my top five of the year of 2018. Like, that's how much I like this movie. Yeah, I have to look at I, I've forgotten completely what have we been doing all year. I would still say, like, if we're going to compare the two movies that were shot at the same time, I still think Blind Spotting is, like, the better film. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I probably would rate, if Beale Street could talk, that was the other one I was going to mm, say. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably rate that higher than this movie, too. But there's a couple other movies that we have not gotten to yet this year that I think would, oh, um, I'm done like flesh out my top five horror movies. So yeah, and of course, um, number one under the Silver Lake. We we both agree on that. So, <laughs> well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear about your five on Mamma Mia two. It's not a five. That's not a five movie. <laughs> it's like a three and a half. It's just a fun movie. Solid little fun movie. Oh man, we're done here. Okay, well, the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up here. So that is, we should probably move into Critics' Choice. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. So I'm going to read the positive review from Jourdain Cyrils. Cyrils? Cyrils? Jourdain? Jourdain Sorry, I thought for, for a quick second, I thought I had not updated these from two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. I have. Okay, so if from Jourdain Cyrils. S-E-A-R-L-E-S. I don't know. Sales. 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 From Bitch Media, Dave, (laughs) who writes, a hilarious, intelligent, and socially relevant satire of American business and capitalism and hands down one of the best films of 2018. I like that you got me a review from the Financial Times. (laughs) Yeah. The whitest man in the world. Because what is his name, Dave? Uh, Nigel Andrews. Nigel Andrews. You cannot get a whiter name than this. Nigel Andrews from the Financial Times. By the time the scream, gasp, and giggle sci-fi climax arrives, we've lost interest in what happens to this hero or to this smug, undercranked movie. Someone got a little butthurt about <laughs> capitalism, getting a little bit of poked fun at. He, de- he is definitely not packing a horse cock. He wakes up every morning and thinks, what about the shareholders? Well, if you work, if you work for the Financial Times, it's probably sticking to the script, isn't it, Kyle? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you get past your editor. Oh, I, I wanted to say, too, I think there is a bit of a meta commentary because they spend so much time about sticking to the script, sticking to the script at the beginning, that uh, the movie also doesn't really stick to the script of what you think this movie is going to go mm-hmm. and be. So a little bit of well, a I just think it's funny commentary. reflection how excited you are about this thing devolving when, I mean, from the opening sequence, you know it's not a normal movie. Everything about it is no, weird. No, but there's, there's like, this is not a normal movie and like, Horsecock. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, not in a million years of like, here, there's all the options where you think this movie is going to yeah, go. And like, human animal hybrid is not high on my list of like where this might be going. That's just how, that's just how all good movies are written. You're not supposed to know what you're going to get at the end. I mean, certainly sure. Horsecock is extreme. 
But so uh, what you're saying is in our script that we're trying to write, we have to have at least one oh, scene of horse we're, cock. We're inserting some horse cock into our script. I think we've reached our quota on saying horse cock. Okay, we need to rate this film. But before we do, that is what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. If you want to see the entire list of films that we've watched and ratings that we've given, you can go to our letterbox page letterbox.com slash kdvstm hold the phone here dave tinder has messaged me saying that people are checking you out what are you going to do about it <laughs> seems very accusatory that's Thanks, like when tinder. i get watch shamed stand the fuck up you lazy yeah. piece of shit you, you have 10 asshole. minutes <laughs> <laughs> all you need to do is stand for 10 minutes a day and you can't even do that <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> Just return me. Just return me. You don't know how to use me and my technology. It's pathetic. Dave, Thanks, Apple. Uh, out of uh, out of five, are you sitting in front of a window? You keep yeah, your so eyes. I have to like feel my eyes sometimes because the sun's like beating right into my eyeballs. Okay, so out of five, Dave, what are you going to give? Sorry to bother you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with a four. I I do like the large majority of this. It's just uh, scratching my head a little lot. Which maybe mm -hmm. is a good thing, but uh, it's good. Sometimes it's, I like scratching my head. Um, I'm giving it a 4.5. Like I said, um, a couple of those quibbles I have prevents it from being a perfect, perfect. movie, quote mm -hmm. unquote. If you can ever say something is perfect. You but, say uh, that a lot, though. Like, don't what? you have a five this year? Um, I have two fives no. this year, what? which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and uh, Blind Spotting for my two ah, fives. Okay. Do I have a five? I mean, Spider-Man, of course. Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you have had Blind Spotting. If Beale Street could talk, you're two 4.5s. Yeah, yeah. Almost got there. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to average to 4.25. That is going to be rated down or, av or uh, rounded down to a four. So there's a couple of movies that that ties with. Dave, do you think this is better or worse than Roma? Oh, man. I'm going to put it above because it's, it's punching for something bigger i don't know roma's pretty too but it's too long okay let's put it above let's roma so here's the thing i love roma it's weird to say that about that movie because it's very hard to watch in some in some spots uh it's beautifully shot i always err maybe some people can get mad at me i always err on what i call rewatchability. yeah and if you gave me like Roma or this, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sort of yeah, bother you. It's yeah. going to be something I'm going to throw on. Uh, I'm not going to casually watch Roma, probably. No. Okay. The other movie, Dave, is The Favorite. Oh, it's better or worse than The Favorite? Favorite's better. Uh, hands down. And I think other than your weird fucking obsession with fisheye lenses, you would agree that The Favorite is a more complete film than this. Uh, it's a better written film. I would, I would give you, I would grant you that. Performances. Um, I would rate it above the favorite, but in the, um, in, in the spirit of, uh, magnanimity, magnanimity, that's a word. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Because I'm a good Two person, ends. Dave, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put this between Roma and the favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, so entering our list at the new number... God, I lost my spot here <laughs> at the new Top number five position. Yeah. At the new number five position is going to be sorry to bother oh, you. Did I give the favorite a five? You did. Sorry. Yeah. You did. You did give it a five. I really like that movie. All right. Keep going. Um, by the way, Yorgos's uh, new movie is getting rave reviews and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah. It's very wow. sexual, apparently. <laughs> That's what you're getting pinged on Twitter for on uh, Tinder for. Yeah. It's not a hookup. It's his movie. Like screen this. So we should find out what we're watching here next week, Dave. We're gonna push this little button here. Boop 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 boop. 
Oh, this is a fun little like um, curiosity of a uh, film. It's called Searching. We're gonna go see Searching. Is it still at least? Is that still on Netflix? It is not. It was no? there for the last four years, and it was there at the beginning of this year because I went and verified all no, of these uh, movies, and it is not there anymore. Oh, fuck's sake. Is it on another streaming service? It's <clears throat> not. It is not on another streaming <laughs> service. <Fuck. laughs> Kyle, uh, I can't anymore. I can't. I really, this has been on my watch list as well for like five years, but I didn't. Yeah, well, you should have watched it when it was on Netflix for it's three so years. so depressing, especially as a parent. I can't. Oh, yeah. I would, I'm actually somewhat interested to hear what your view is as a parent. Yeah. I like, don't love this movie. I've seen the quote unquote sequel. It's not a really a sequel it's just the same concept yeah there's another movie that came out this year called missing um which is the same concept by the same filmmakers that was all on a computer screen right you never leave the computer screen Mm. i guess this sort of ruined my uh my views of searching which is i i love the conceit of it only being able to happen on like smart devices Mm -hmm. Um, i think that's a cool way to try and tell a story i think it does this really big cheat at the end that i kind of have issues with okay so I guess I'm paying for another film. Dave, um, let's, let's, uh, let's bake some cakes for these people. We have to buy an oven. We have to buy an oven. Ah, shit. I think we've reached our quota on saying horse cop.